Hebrews chapter 2 and I want to draw your attention to the words that are found in the verse 11. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. Here we have a good description of the Lord Jesus Christ. The text is short tonight, but I would want you to write those words upon your heart. He that sanctifieth. He that sanctifieth. That is a good description of Christ. A good description of what he does. And why he came into the world. This is Christ the Messiah. This is Christ the incarnate one. And this is necessary to save his people. That he be a sanctifier. Now we often hear sermons on Jesus the Saviour. But I wonder how many sermons we have heard on Jesus the sanctifier of his people. Both titles are linked. Both titles are inseparable. The one implies the other. You can't be a sanctifier without being a saviour. You can't be a saviour without being a sanctifier. So this is a very important title of Jesus Christ as the sanctifier. Tells us a lot about him. It tells us about what he is making his people that believe in him. What he's going to make them to be. And it tells us about a lot about what we are becoming through his grace. Now, of course, sanctification is a divine work. Only God can sanctify. And all three divine persons are in the Bible described as sanctifiers. You remember Jude, when he was writing to the believers, he said, to them that are sanctified by God the Father. So that's all Christians. Not some Christians, but all Christians are the sanctified by God the Father. They're not willing to be sanctified. They're not just being sanctified. They are the sanctified. Even though they still have some sins remaining, even though they're not perfect, they are the sanctified by God the Father. And of course, most often the work is referred to the Holy Spirit being sanctified by the Holy Ghost, the Apostle Paul says to the Romans. Preeminently, however, it is seen as the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no sanctification, there's no being made holy, there's no being set apart to the service of God at all. Without the Lord Jesus Christ. His incarnation and death. No sanctification whatsoever. Apart from him. And therefore he is. He that sanctifieth. So we want to consider Christ. As that tonight. And he that sanctifieth. Is a term that implies. He sanctifies certain persons. 
Because if you sanctify, you have to sanctify persons, other persons. And Christ sanctifies persons. And there is a threefold way in which Christ sanctifies persons. We want to look at these three categories tonight. First of all, he sanctifies himself. And then secondly, he sanctifies his father. He sanctifies his father. And then thirdly, he sanctifies his brethren, his people, believers. And that appears to be the main thought in the text. He that sanctifieth, and they who are sanctified, his brethren, they're all of one. So that's the main thought in the text. He sanctifies his, his brethren. But it also is necessary and implied that before that, he has to sanctify himself, and he has to sanctify his Father, he can't possibly sanctify sinners until he has sanctified himself and sanctified his Father in the cross on which he died. So we're looking at these three aspects tonight of Christ the Sanctifier. Now first of all, he sanctifies himself. He that sanctifies. And this is where it began it began when he sanctified himself for the work of salvation. And he brings this out in his priestly prayer in John chapter 17. And as you've read often John chapter 17, I'm sure that you know sanctification is prominent. It's a prominent thought. He prays that his people may be sanctified. Sanctify them through the truth. Thy word is truth. We have that in John 17, verse 17. Thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself. Do you see how he connects the two together? Sanctify them. For them, I have sanctified myself. So that's first. He done that first, and now he prays that they may be sanctified. So he is talking about his cross work. He's talking about his sacrifice, putting himself apart for this holy work of sacrifice. He says, I sanctify myself that they may be sanctified. So his brethren are not sanctified by him unless he first sanctifies himself. We can't have sanctified sinners at all without a sanctified Savior. We can't have people being converted and brought to salvation unless we have a Savior who has set himself apart for this holy work. So Christ the sanctifier, he begins by sanctifying himself. His own sanctification is foundational to the sanctification of his brethren. Now, as God, he doesn't need to be sanctified. He's holy. He's the holy God. As God, he, he doesn't need to sanctify himself at all. 
but as mediator, as one who takes the human nature, as man who has to keep the law and who has to die in the place of sinners. It's vital, it's essential that he be a sanctified saviour, a sanctified man. And so for the sake of sinners who trust in him, he has to sanctify himself to this work. Now the Father ordained him to be the mediator, and he made him a priest so that he could offer the sacrifice of himself. And we call that the sanctification of the Father. The Father sanctifies him. The Lord Jesus spoke about this as well. Say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world. So Jesus Christ has been sanctified by the Father whenever he was set apart and came into the world. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the Father's sanctification of the Son. But the Son himself had to sanctify himself. That's where we're beginning. That's what we're talking about. And the Lord Jesus Christ was sanctified by himself. That's what the coming into the world was. Sanctifying himself. Setting himself apart for this holy work of being a mediator. To take a humanity. That's sanctifying himself. Taking a human nature for the work of God and the work of salvation. And giving himself to a righteous life. And keeping the law, keeping all the statutes of his father perfectly. Every time that he does that, he is sanctifying himself. He's continuing in holiness. He's keeping himself pure. He's keeping himself holy. He's allowing no sin, no sin whatsoever to defile him. He's sanctifying himself. He has no sin that will halt him in his work of mediation. And that's because he sanctifies himself through all of this. He keeps himself. He ensures that he will ever be the spotless lamb of God without blemish. He didn't just come into the world and die on the cross. No, there were those 30 years where he walked as the lamb of God without spot and without blemish, always sanctifying himself setting himself apart for his Father, for the work of salvation, keeping himself pure and unspotted from the world, always without blemish. And this is because he's sanctifying himself. But Paul especially has in mind the cross work, the giving himself a sacrifice. And that's always central in this epistle to the Hebrews this once for all offering, this sacrifice. What was the sacrifice of Christ? It was him sanctifying himself to the Father. Paul puts it in another epistle. He gave himself for us. And he talks later on in this, this epistle, by which will we are sanctified. What will is he talking about when he says that? He's talking about the will of the Savior when by that will he gave himself. That will has sanctified us and that will has sanctified him. 
That's his sanctifying will when he gives himself. So he, he gave himself to the cross. He gave himself a sacrifice to God. He wholly offered up himself. And Calvary is Christ's self-sanctification. Because it is the offering of himself to God the Father. He's been the priest. He's been the offering also. He offers the offering himself just as the priest sanctified the offering to God. Christ offers himself to God. He sanctifieth himself. That's why we're sanctified. Because of that. Not because of our prayers and our good works and our efforts. No, it's because of the, the self-sanctification of Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's by this that we are saved and set apart to God and sanctified. Sacrifice and offering and burnt offering for sin thou wouldst not. Neither hadst thou any pleasure therein. And Jesus says, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. I come to do thy will. Thy law is within my heart. By which will we are sanctified. This self-sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So he sanctified himself. But then secondly, he also sanctified his father. This is important too. This is essential as well. This is the vital part of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. This is why it is powerful to cleanse. This is why the blood of Christ is powerful to purify and sanctify. It's not enough that Jesus died. It's not enough that Jesus just shed his blood and the blood is shed and the blood is obtained. And therefore God's people are sanctified. It's not enough merely to have the blood shed. The blood has to be shed in a way that sanctifies the Father. As an offering to the Father. As an offering up unto God. And so he has to die wholly sanctifying. Sanctifying himself and sanctifying his father. He has to do it for the father. He has to do it for the father's glory. Not just for the sinners that he loves. He does it for the sinners that he loves too. But he especially does it for the father that he glorifies. He sanctifies his father. And it's therein in that will. That sanctifying himself and sanctifying his father. It's therein that the power of the blood lies. You see, he's a man, and he must give himself with sinless, wholehearted devotion to God. Any of us can die, but Jesus doesn't die like us. Jesus offers up himself to his Father, to his Father. And by doing that, he sanctifies his Father. He, he honors his Father. He honors the law of God, the law of his Father. He magnifies it and 
He makes it so honourable in his cross work. And so on the cross, it's essential that he doesn't sin. It's essential that he doesn't sink, sink under it and have bad thoughts and wicked thoughts. No, throughout all of it, he must be offering up himself a pure sacrifice to his Father with willingness and with sinlessness and with a full, burning, glowing heart to his God. And he does, he does do that. You see, men can sanctify God, you know. You know, that's why Moses didn't go into the land of promise. You maybe wonder, well, why did Moses not get into the land of promise? That mighty man of God. He did so much. He, he believed in the Lord and he was obedient. And, and, but God said, you can't go in. And God told him the reason one time. He says, because you didn't believe me. To sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. You didn't honor me, Moses. Whenever you'd done that, you dishonored me because it was disobedience. You did it in anger and you didn't sanctify me. You failed to sanctify me, Moses, and you can't go in. You're not going to be a sanctifier of God's people anymore. And Jesus Christ, right at the edge of Jordan, as he's about to die, he didn't fail. He entered in, brings his people in with him afterwards too, into the land of promise, because he perfectly sanctified his Father. And the Lord Jesus can hear the voice of the Father say, as he sits at his right hand, Son, thou hast perfectly sanctified me, therefore you can go into the land of promise and bring all your sanctified people with you. So he perfectly sanctified his Father. Remember how the Bible tells us that we should sanctify the name of God. When we sanctify God in many ways, we sanctify God whenever we pray. Hallowed be thy name. We are to pray. We're sanctifying the name. We're acknowledging the excellencies and the majesty of God. So we can sanctify God in prayer. We can sanctify God in our hearts in reverence. You remember how Peter says, and he's quoting from the Old Testament, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. In your hearts. And this is what the Lord Jesus Christ perfectly did on the cross. And all his life long, he sanctified the Lord his God, his Father, in his heart. And I say to you, if he hadn't have done that, we could never be sanctified. So he had to sanctify himself and he had to sanctify his father. He gave his father all his place. He gave his father all the honor. He, he gave his father all the Jew that was due to him. He sanctified him every day and he especially sanctified him when he died on the cross. He always was magnifying his father on God's law. Do you remember he said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I've honoured thee. I've always honoured thee. I've finished the work which you gave me to do. My meat was to do the will of my Father. This, this is the sanctification of God. And so he did this. He did this perfectly. He kept his Father's commandments. And even in this chapter too, the sanctification of his Father is seen because in verse 13, he is seen as saying, I will put my trust in him. 
Now this is a quote from the Psalms, but the Apostle is putting it in the mouth of Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ, this is one of the things Jesus Christ says, I will put my trust in him. And what is he saying here? He's saying that he is one who always sanctified his father by believing in him. Moses didn't believe in God at the last. He failed. Didn't sanctify God. But Jesus Christ, I put my trust in him. I put my trust in the father all the time. And by that means he sanctified his father. It was a sinless trust. It was a perfect trust. It was a trust that perfectly satisfied God. Now perhaps you don't picture the Saviour as trusting, as having failed. Maybe you have a difficulty with that to, to say Jesus believed or Jesus trusted. But you must remember he is a true man. And men have to live by faith, even the Son of God. As a man on earth, he has to live by faith. So we must not think it's strange. He is our elder brother. And he wants us to trust as he trusted. He leads the way. He shows us how to trust. He is the one who stood in our place. You see, we don't have faith and trust. We fail to believe. How are we ever going to get to heaven? But we have an elder brother who has trusted for us. Who has believed for us. Who never failed who sanctified the Father perfectly by his faith and trust, which we fail to do all the time. It's that that sanctifies us. It's not your own faith that sanctifies. It's the faith of Jesus Christ. As he sanctifies himself and his Father in our salvation. So he's a perfect example of faith. And Paul goes on later on to develop this. Whenever he looks at all those Old Testament patriarchs of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And then he goes on to chapter 12 and he says, but, but we don't look unto them. We'll look unto Jesus. Because he's the author and finisher of faith. He's the pilgrim, our elder brother, who's at the front, at the head. Who's leading the pack. Who's bringing us into the land of promise. He's the true sanctifier. Who perfectly sanctified the Father by his perfect faith and trust. I will trust in him. He perfectly sanctified his Father. He had the highest faith. He had the perfect faith that sanctified God. And that's the faith that causes his sacrifice to be atoning. And that saves us. But then thirdly. He has perfectly sanctified both himself and his Father. Therefore, and on the grounds of that, he sanctifies his people. And this lies at the heart of the text. As the head of the body, he sanctifies himself. And so he, by the sanctification of himself, he sanctifies his whole mystical body in his sacrifice. In his cross. And he calls that body. Those people his brethren. His brethren. And we're all of one. The head and the body. All the brothers. Christ the elder brother. And all the rest of the brethren. Sanctifying himself. Sanctifying his father. He sanctifies us. In his cross. And so he is the sanctifier. Of his people. Now. Paul is introducing the work of sanctification here. He uses the word two times. 
He that sanctifieth, they that are sanctified. He uses the verb, the word seven times in all in his epistle. He goes on in chapter 9 to use it, in chapter 10 and chapter 13. Sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, chapter 9, verse 13, by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. We're not talking about the sanctification of the Spirit. We're talking about the sanctification, the purifying, the sanctifying through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. For by one offering, this death, this sacrifice, by one offering, he hath perfected them that are sanctified. So you see, it's a cross work that does it. Wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered outside the gate. He suffered out there on the cross to sanctify with his blood his people. So this is down to the cross work, to Christ, the sanctifier giving himself. And it's clear that all Christians, all believers, who truly believe in him and are the brethren of Jesus Christ, it is they that are sanctified. If you're a Christian, you're sanctified now. You're not waiting to be sanctified. You're not just becoming sanctified. You're the sanctified now in Christ. This is something that has taken place at the cross. Now, sometimes we speak of justification, the different stages of salvation, justification at the beginning, then sanctification, the ongoing process, and then at the end, glorification, was saved, being saved, shall be saved, this threefold aspect of salvation. And sometimes sanctification is looked upon as an ongoing process, a conformity to the holiness, holiness of God, a progressive godliness that the Spirit of God causes to be affected in the people of God. But in Hebrews, the epistle to the Hebrews, the emphasis is not on sanctification as something that is taking place now, something that is ongoing now. It is seen as something that has taken place already and every Christian is sanctified. The Hebrew Christians are the sanctified. And that, that's what I think that its, its meaning is here. They have been purified in the cross work to come near to God and to serve God as the sanctified in his temple, in his tabernacle. So in Hebrews, this term will include justification. It's not so much the sanctifying process ongoing, now that is taught in the scriptures, but the emphasis here is on its foundation in the justification of sinners, in the position that they have through Christ's cross. They're the sanctified. This is very important, congregation. It means that Christians in Christ's death have already been set apart by God. They're his brethren. They're the Lord's brethren. And I think we have to think of three things whenever we think of this word here that is used by the apostle. First of all, it gives the idea that they've been purified by one offering, sanctified or purified God's people. He gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself 
a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So God's people, whenever they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and are united to him by faith and are his brethren, he purifies them. He washes them and cleanses them in his blood. And they're the sanctified. So it has that idea of being purified, washed. It also has the idea that they've been brought to God, they've been offered to God, they've been reconciled to God. And that's what Christ has done in his cross work. He has caused them to be reconciled to God. He's purified them and he's given them to the Father. He's offered them to the Father and they are accepted and they are able to serve God. So we've been reconciled in his death. And also it implies that he gives to them the Holy Spirit so that they can serve God as priests in his temple. So Christians are purified, they're washed, they're reconciled to God, and the Saviour gives to them the gift of the Holy Spirit so that they can be servants and offer sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices, in the service of God. Now Christ's death has accomplished all of these things. Christ is the source the foundation and the channel of this sanctification of the saints unto God. What then do we learn just very quickly from these things? If God's people are the sanctified now. Well first of all we learn this. That the dignity and the glory of the person of Jesus Christ. He is God. God sanctified. The apostle has already been bringing this out in chapter 1. He implies this throughout the rest of his epistle that he is God. That not only made the worlds, but also sanctifies sinners. Only God can sanctify sinners. Only God can make a holy people out of a sinful people. So it's implied he is the God that sanctifies. God says, I am the Lord that sanctifies you. The Jehovah that sanctifies you. And this is Christ. He that sanctifies. So though you see a man, though you see one crucified in weakness on the cross, don't forget that that humanity is veiling the glory of sanctifying deity. He's a God that sanctifies sinners. So that, that's the first thing that's implied by this. And also secondly, we see the immense desire of Jesus, the design of Jesus Christ in his death for his brethren. What does he desire? What does he long for? What did he come into the world for? That he might sanctify a people what does that mean that he might make a pure people who will be devoted to the service of God that's what he desires for his people he wants them to be sanctified like himself just as he served the father just as he gave himself to the father and his own self sanctification so he desires that his brethren would serve his father, that his brethren would sanctify themselves 
for his, their, his father and that they themselves would sanctify his father in their hearts. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, he desires our holiness. He desires our godliness. He died for this. He is the one who says, I am the Lord, I am holy. I sanctify. Be ye holy. And so he, he is one who, who desires that. Uh, and we must never forget that, brethren and sisters, that he saved us not to live in sin, not to be negligent and careless in the things of God, but he has saved us uh, that we might be a holy people unto himself. So keep that in mind, the dear heart of your Saviour, what it desires for you. And then thirdly, this teaches us the utter folly of that false teaching that sets forth a two-stage sanctification. You are saved, but now you need to be sanctified. You need a second step. You need a second blessing. You need something more. You need something further. There are those who teach that. That you need a second step, a crisis experience that there are saints that are not sanctified. There are saints that are saved, they might say, but they haven't yet been sanctified. Well, that's wrong, brethren and sisters. Because anybody he saves, he has sanctified. All his brethren are sanctified, all that believe. Now, it is true that some are more godly than others. And there are different stages of spiritual maturity. That is true. But there are no stages in this sanctification that the apostle is talking about. Because this sanctification is not by a second experience. It's not by a crisis experience. All that believe are sanctified. All that are the brethren of Christ are the sanctified. Very imperfect. Some of them are very poor Christians, uh, I, I may add. And maybe we are very definitely among them as being poor Christians. But the truth of the matter is, no matter how poor the true Christian may be, he is among the sanctified in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Remember how Paul wrote to the Corinthians? And it was the first epistle to the Corinthians. Maybe things had improved a wee bit by the second epistle. But in the first epistle, when there's so much problems and so many poor Christians, even carnal Christians, Paul addresses them and says to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Now, Paul is not addressing some Christians, you know, the sanctified Christians, and he's leaving out the carnal Christians. No, that's, there's no such thing being done. He looks at all the believers, the whole body, and he addresses them as the sanctified in Christ Jesus. All Christians are saints. All Christians are sanctified in their union to Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is making us holy and better and more Christ-like. 
But that, that's another thing and will be glorified. But the foundational aspect of it is what Christ has done to them in the cross. His cross. And that brings us to the last and final point of application. And it is this. The absolute necessity of Jesus. We need Jesus. Only Jesus sanctifies us. Only Jesus purifies us. Only Jesus brings us to the Father. Only Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. Only Jesus saves his people from their sins. And so at the heart of the gospel is the call to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to put your trust in him, to take hold of him. And so you, you who believe, continue believing in Jesus. And to you who have no faith in him, may God open your eyes and may you see how essential it is that you know him and you have your faith in him. For he alone is he that sanctifies.